Hello, I'm Dr. Jesse L. Grice, founder and uh, senior pastor of Truvine Baptist Church. It's my heart as we welcome you. I welcome you, and I praise God uh, that you will get something from it and bless your life. And in Jesus' name, we love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, praise team and praise band. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you once again in prayer, giving you honor, glory, and praise. And thank you, Lord, for being who you are all by yourself. But now it's time for your word to be spoken unto your people those who are here and those who join us on the different platforms online and venues that you so blessed us with, Father God. So we thank you right now for what you're doing in this service. Now, Father God, we ask you to open up the ears, the hearts, and souls, and the minds of your children, Father God, those who know you and those who are trying to get to know you, Father God, that you pour them out a blessing and turn everything around, Father God, that they receive you, Lord, as their personal Savior, but also strengthen those who are already saved that might be going through, Father God, for we all go through times and trials and tribulations that we don't understand. But you are God, Father God, to see fit to guide us and keep us in one accord. So now we bind the enemy, Father God, today in, in the name of Jesus, Father God. Remove any doubt, anything that would distract us from hearing by your Holy Spirit. So, Father God, I pray to my best best. I pray to edify your word and your people that they might receive through the message, through the gift of preaching, which you've given unto me by your Holy Spirit. All of you and none of me, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First of all, again, giving honor to God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to the Holy Spirit. That is a gift from God to each of those who receive Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, to our pastor and founder, Dr. Jesse L. Grice, to our ministerial staff, our deacon staff, our leadership, and to all my brothers and sisters in Christ of this body and also worldwide. We just thank God for you today. Uh, there's a word to be heard from the Lord coming from the gospel according to Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 18. The gospel according to Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 18. I was praying to the Lord when Pastor asked me to preach on. He's been preaching on love, and I asked God to follow up with something that would be a blessing to transition as we get ready to roll into Resurrection Month, where we honor Christ for dying for all of our sins. And, and we thank God for what he's doing, and we're going into that. And God brought this particular uh, scripture to mind in, in, in which to speak on. And it's one I hadn't spoken on in a while, but it's something that he showed me in it that I hadn't seen before. And that's what the Holy Spirit does if we allow God to give us what, what, he, what uh, he wants to give us and stop looking for what we want. You'll find out that there's a blessing within that scripture. Amen. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 18. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And it reads, now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented himself, he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all. And then they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea 
in all surrounding regions. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. Before you say to take your seats in the presence of God, give someone a bump love and say, I love you, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Amen. You be seated. Amen. 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 I'd like to tab the text in which I preach on this text, Christ's divine compassion. Christ's divine compassion. You know, when we look at how we show compassion, it's totally different than God's divine compassion in that when you put that word divine in the place there, it means it's supernatural. It's holy. It's God. It's untainted. Our compassion, however, as people, is different. Our compassion has stipulations. It has conditions. And oftentimes, it depends on what your mood is in relation to the compassion you would show up, maybe even who it is. But thank God he ain't like us. Amen. He shows us compassion and love, irregardless of our situation. And we need to appreciate God for that. And pastor's been preaching on love for the past two or three years. Sundays, and in regards to that, as I transition in and we transition on into the month of April, talking about Resurrection Sunday and prepare for Easter and things like that, I want to share something with you. The key difference between love and compassion is that love is a deep feeling of affection and attachment towards someone, whereas compassion is sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. Love and compassion are two positive feelings that help to make the world a better place. You see, you can't have love without compassion, and, and God wanted us to, to demonstrate that through his son, Jesus Christ. We're living in a world that's pulling us away from focusing on the good things and focusing more on the bad things. But I dare to tell you today that even though we see the bad things, the good news is you can pray about some goodness in that bad situation. You have a God that wants you to know you'll walk by faith and not by sight. He, we got a God that wants you to know that everything is going to work for your good because it's his good that he's sending in you and for you. Somebody need to be encouraged this morning. Somebody is going through something this morning, and I'm trying to tell you that God says he got you covered. God says I love you. God says I have compassion for you, and everything is going to be all right. Just, just hang in now just a little bit longer. Somebody need to hear it this morning because he told me that somebody in here has some doubt. Somebody in here has, has a connection issue. Someone in here needs to be reminded that God has all power in heaven and earth and it's his to give and it's his to take on his accord. And so you might as well just give it up and give him some praise. First John 4 and 16 in Scripture, let me remind you, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and in him. So therefore, my brothers and sisters, the more we work on our love relationship with God, we will be better off loving one another. It will become genuine. It will become pure. It will become agape. And we can work and we can move things and move these mountains of trouble that's going to come at this world. Because we are what? 
believers of Christ. We are, we are Christians in Christ. There's somebody here that might not be saved, but guess what? You're in the right place. You're in the right place to hear the truth. You're in the right place to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You're in the right place to start a relationship with a pastor to love you, a congregation to surround you, to someone to help you grow and mature in the ministry. You see, Jesus is God's compassionate gift to all mankind. But unfortunately, just like in life, everybody don't want it. Everybody don't want to receive it. See, he's a gift of compassion. Prior to this, it was 400 years before a prophetic word ever came to the people. 400 years from Malachi all the way to the New Testament. 400 years. God left a note, will a man rob God? And then he asked the question, who? All of us will rob God. Some of us are living right now just robbing God. God, I'm going to do better. I ain't done better. God, I'm going to go to Bible study. I ain't come to Bible study. God, I'm going to do better in church. I ain't come to church. God, I'm going to tithe. I ain't going to do that either. God, I'm going to be a better steward. See, you got to check yourself because this is self-examination. This is your own relationship. I don't know what's going on in your house. But I know what's going on in mine. And I know I ain't always done right. Still always don't do right. But I ask God to help me. So you need to ask God to help you. And it takes, uh, it takes us working at it. It takes us just getting at it. See, see, they had 400 years. No prophetic word. But the good news was there was people who remembered. And they kept the traditions of what they had heard from the Israelites and the Jews and the word that they knew. They kept doing right. They kept doing right. In this book of Luke, as as I'm I'm talking to the, teaching the Wednesday word, we're going through Luke. And the thing about it was, before he hit up with Mary and he talked to Joseph and all them, he'd already said that they were devout. They were devout to God, meaning that they were practicing the word of God from what they got from their ancestors. And everyone so on and so on. Imagine 400 years, they're still practicing devotion to God without the word of God being sent. We get the word and we look at it like, oh yeah, that's just for Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is my day. Imagine if right now God come and got the church, meaning those that saved. Imagine that's going to happen. The rapture going to happen. And everybody that's left here, everybody that's here, all hell really going to break loose. You really think you see it now, but when God calls the church out here, when the rapture really happens, they're going to, the Bible said, they're going to come running. They're going to be wailing and hollering and screaming, and it's going to be too late. And guess what? You're going to have to take a mark. And if you don't want that mark, you want to see Christ, you're going to have to get your head chopped off. That's what the Bible said. And the way the world is working and the way everything is, I'm trying to help someone understand you need Christ today. Don't you wait till tomorrow because tomorrow might be too late. And if you're in here faking and shaking, stop your faking and get on in here and start working on this relationship. It's time out to stop playing because, as you can see, death is everywhere. Death is everywhere. And I'm going to get to the text with that. Because the Lord, if he's identified something, because this miracle was the ultimate miracle. 
Because in the, as you open up this chapter 7, the centurion who didn't, who didn't have nothing to do with God, didn't have nothing to do with, do, do with the religious items and things of God, he sent word through the rabbi to call Jesus to heal his own servant. He had heard about Jesus. He had heard about it. And he sent for Jesus to come and heal his servant by word. And he healed his servant. And then that's where it's led up to here to what his situation is. So here in verse 11, you see here, it says, And now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in the large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carted, carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city was with her. With her. Now, let me give you a little geology a little bit. Jesus' main ministry was in Capernaum. This particular city set out, and it was an isolated city in an isolated area. And undoubtedly, they had built a, a perimeter, a wall, kind of like Jericho, to protect themselves. So it was really only one entrance into the city. Some, some of the theologians questioned and asked why they would Jesus take the time out to go to somewhere that's so isolated, so whatever. But that's what God is. He had to take the ministry outside of Capernaum and start sharing it with the world. And see, that, that, that was good news right there in itself because people had heard about Jesus, but no one had seen him in this city. No one had, had witnessed what he was doing, but a lot of things were being shared. And much like today, it's a lot of things about God is being shared, but no one is ensuring that you get it. No one's ensuring that, or, you, or you're not applying yourself to get it so you can build that closer relationship with Christ. So Jesus took this moment to, to step out of the zone where he, he started the ministry, he created the ministry there in Capernaum, and he went to this city, this isolated city, a place that it, it, what we would call probably a no-man's land type city. I don't know about you, but I thank God when I'm on an island. When I'm in my dark place and, 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 and I don't know what to do and I don't know who's going to come to help me out and who's going to help me through the situation. I thank God we got a God that don't look at where it is. He's just coming to see about his children. It don't matter how he get there. Just as long as the Lord show up and, and bless me and help me with that situation. Now, as he gets to this city, they're having a processional, a funeral processional rolling out the city. This brother is in the coffin, and he's dead, and his mother here is, 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 is a widow as well. So that means, sisters, that at this, in this custom, that means she didn't have no support, no help. She was in a helpless situation, and according to that custom. Her husband was gone, and all of her, the men in her life were gone because of customary things. So she, had a, she was in a hopeless situation. She was in a horrible situation. And look, it didn't say that she called on the Lord. It didn't say she was even looking for the Lord. But the Lord just was showed up in the, in the area. And I thank God we got a God that just shows up in our lives. He may not come when he wants to, but the song says he comes on time. And he has what? Compassion for us. Let me tell you about this God compassion. The spirit of the word compassion is synonymous with doing. That means you can't show me no compassion if you ain't going to do nothing for me. Keep it to yourself. 
Christian, Christ's divine compassion is not concerned with material nor physical things. It's concerned with the human spirit and the soul. The spiritual definition of compassion involves acting to alleviate suffering of others. So it's not selfish. It's not about you. It's about what you're going to do for someone else in their suffering times or in their suffering issues. See, a lot of folks do that lip love thing. I love you. I love you. I love you. But where is some compassion in that love? Because the compassion is the act part. See, you can talk, pastor can preach on love all day. But that love should make you what? Do something. That love should make you, like that song said, turn around if you're messing up. That love should make you get right whenever you know you're wrong. That love should make you pray more. That love should make you look out and help somebody that's going through a situation. One of the hardest things I ever had to do was pray for somebody that didn't like me. But you know what? I like it now. That was the hardest thing to do. Because I have a hard time being fake. I like to tell it like a T.I. is and let the chips fall and then we're going to get on down the road. That's just me. But what I learned in learning to pray for those who didn't like me or I had an issue with them was it ain't about me. It's about God helping our situation so we can have a better relationship with him and them. And I found out that when I put him first, regardless of whether they like me or not, if I get the opportunity to pray with them or be with them, I'm going to give them Jesus first and me second. In other words, you ain't got to pay my bills. I ain't got to pay your bills. You ain't got to go home with me. You ain't got to feed me. You ain't got to do none of that. But we can fellowship in Jesus' name and everything will be all right. Your bills might be too high for mine anyway, so <laughs> praise God. Your needs ain't my needs. Amen. Thank God. You see, Jesus' life was an example to us of one engaged in mercy and acts of compassion and also would equate to love because here you see a situation. This woman is in a dire situation. This woman is in this situation where she already knows she has to bury her son. She's on the way to bury that, but all she knows, also she's aware that she's going to have to live a life alone with no support, no man's support in reference to that. And that's not being feminine sisters or being so chauvinistic, but back then the brother worked. Amen. And the women took care of the house. And it was nothing against that because this just shows you that Christ has compassion on men and women. All of mankind, all human beings belong to Christ. All human beings belong to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you see here what, what Jesus is going into this situation, and he's walking into this situation, and he's all God and all man. So what is meant by that, for those who don't know, here's where he's going to identify that he is the Messiah, meaning that he is the anointed one. This miracle identifies and certifies him that he is the Messiah, meaning that he is the anointed one. He is the prophet, he is the priest, and he is the king of kings and lord of lords. 
So here he is, he's showing up on the scene to identify in this miracle, not just for the situation, but to show the love of God in relation to the situation. And God right now is doing the same thing if you allow him. He knows everybody's situation. So don't feel like you don't know your situation. I may not know the situation, but God knows your situation. Just like he sees this lady's, this sister's situation. When the Lord saw her in 13, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Now watch this right here. This miracle that Jesus performed was ultimately the one that would certify him as a Messiah and be reported to John the Baptist, the raising of the dead. Jesus is God in the flesh. John 1 and 14 says, and the word came, became flesh and dwelt among us, and he behold his glory, the glory as one of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. That's scripture. So here he's about to demonstrate that in this ultimate miracle. But also I want to bring you also to Hebrews 4 and 14 through 16 to show you how when he does this, he's still doing it today. You might think that, that God don't understand your situation. You might think that the Lord doesn't know your situ- situation or, or what you're going through. Or it might just be so simple or, or so intricate that you think he don't care. But check this scripture out. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now see, somebody, you ain't coming boldly. So how do you work on boldly? Just come on down here and stop worrying about looking cute. Just come on down here and stop worrying about how it's going to be when you get done. Just come on down here and just say, Lord, I need you right now. Lord, I need you right now. You see, God don't need that that, that cuteness. He wants you to come. He's looking at your heart. And if your heart is hurt, he want to fix it. But you got to come boldly. Say, Lord, I need help. I'm on my way. Lord, I need you. I'm on my way. Because guess what? If we came to the Lord, if the house was on fire, ain't nobody got to tell you to move. You'll be moving. So if we come like the fire is on, if the house is on fire, we would get here boldly and wouldn't care how we got it. So that brings me to my first point. Christ's divine compassion recognizes our situation. Some things in life, such as things as grief, sorry, feeling sorry, going through a sorrowful situation. Also worry, anxiety depression, and all these other things that we deal with in this world that we go through. Romans 6 and 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I wanted to bring that to the point is, is that God ain't going to stop doing what he do. This brother had died. He had died. He was in the coffin. They were on their way to the grave site. He's on the way to the grave site. Mama's there. All the people are there. People who don't even care about the brother, but they've been watching what Jesus has been doing. They're following along with the disciples, trying to see what he's going to do next, trying to see what he gonna, what's going to happen. Everybody's watching this situation in this year, but Jesus sees this, this situation where everybody knows once you're dead, you're dead. Hopeless. I don't know about you, but I ain't never been that hopeless. 
where I seen somebody just dead and they just get back up. So this situation didn't line up with what the eye could see. That's why we got to live by faith and not by sight because God can make a miracle. Do, he can do whatever he wants to within a miracle. So in this, you see how I wanted you to understand that Jesus was sympathizing because he understood how she felt. He understood what she was going through. He understood what it was like to, to, to lose someone and things like that. But unfortunately, sometimes as Christians, we have an issue. We stumble. And that's okay. We stumble in our walk. We stumble in our, in our talk. But the thing is, he ain't going to let us fall. That's the thing. We're going to go through some stuff. We're going to deal with some issues. But God will not let us fall. But we still have to go through that situation. So here, we see a God that is looking upon a situation, and he says, do not weep. And see, the good thing about Christ is, is that he's the only one that can not just say that, but he can do something about it. He's the only one that can take a person's tears away. So here, we're not focusing on a dead man. He's focusing on the people around him. He's focusing right now on the, on the people who are living, who are watching this. So he tells her, do not weep. So when we see this, this happening is, I'm going to show you something. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10 says, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. You see, in the midst of your sorrow, you're going to have sorrow, what it's saying, but when you're a believer of Christ, God is going to take you to repentance if you messed up. Or if you're in a situation where you sin. Let's say, let's don't say it like the world says, it was just a mistake. No, it was a sin. Let's just call it what it is. So when you sin, you're going to have sorrow, but the thing is, because you have God in you, that sorrow is telling you what? To repent. If you stay with the Lord, because if you don't repent, you're going to be of that of the world. And then you're going to mess up. I.E. Peter. Peter was saying, oh, Lord, I'm with you all the way through. The Lord had to tell him that now you ain't you're going to you're going to betray me with three crows with three crows of a rooster. Three crows. Judas was with him carrying the money bag. Judas, all he cared about was money and how much he going to get and how he going to help him spend it. Judas, however, if you notice with Judas, his sorrow overweighed him and Judas committed suicide. So you see here where God is looking at this woman as in compassion, but undoubtedly she had some connection to God. Because he rains blessings upon the just as well as the unjust. You see, Peter wound up repenting for what he did for his sorrow, but Judas just quit because he had worldly sorrow and just killed himself. That's what happened, because you got to understand, the fall of man happened with Adam and Eve. Jesus came and let us know, we're going to stumble, but I ain't going to let you fall no more. That's the beauty in that. You see, with Jesus, you're going to stumble, but you ain't going to fall. And see, he recognizes our situations, but it's up to us to turn it over to him when he steps in, or when we call on him in prayer and ask him to come in. So here Jesus takes this situation and he puts it in it because he recognizes it and he tells us something that only he can do. And that brings me to my second point. Christ's divine compassion understands our conditions due to our situation. 
See, he understands your conditions because that's what I just read you in Hebrews. He understands more than you know if you let him do it. And see, right now, this world is driving us with so much information on Instagram, social media platforms. And it's all great and it's positive. But sometimes you need to pull back from that stuff and, and just focus on the Lord and just, and just concentrate on what God is talking to you about. Because that stuff can consume you to the point where you leave God out. You, you, you get, you get the, you get, the, I, I've done it. I've messed around there and got to look and I'm looking, look, oh, I missed two hours. Most of us, we can't stay in church two hours. Pastor done went over an hour, y'all. We got to get up out of here. Uh uh-uh, I can't do church. We have to laugh at ourselves but be real about ourselves because this world is pulling us in to worry that we should be praying about instead of getting so consumed with it that we're no longer praying. We're no longer engaging one another. We're no longer uh, uh, dealing with situations. We're no longer looking who we can help or who we can show some compassion on behalf of his hand. So that's the second point in relation to this here. You see, Peter was a backslider. However, Judas was apostate. Judas walked with the Lord. He done everything that the other disciples did. He learned from the Lord. He did everything like everybody else did. But he was apostate, meaning he walked away from the faith. You hear these people talk about it. Once saved, always saved. That's true. But only he knows you're saved. Oh, hello. You can put on church clothes. You can pay your tithes. You can pray. You can even sing. You can even play the instruments. But is this for real? Because if this ain't real, I don't care what all you done did, you ain't going to heaven. So that one saved, always saved, is a question mark for us, but he know. He know. And that's why we have to understand that he sent Jesus, and that's why that relationship is so important that we start working on that so that way we can get this compassion before God come back here and shut it down and start judging for real. Because when he comes back, he finna judge. It ain't no more Jesus gonna come back here and, and, and act like he said he's gonna run this earth with an iron rod. And guess what? We're gonna be with him. So those of us who went to glory, we're going to come back with him. And guess what? I don't know what that looked like, but I'm sure glad they ain't going to be been ruled by no iron rod. Sometimes we just really need to be honest, honest and, and be honest about things and know that we can't stop death physically, but we can stop death spiritually. And that's what we're talking about. We don't want you to die spiritually because here God didn't never keep this brother from dying. But at the same time, look what God is about to do. He says, then, came and he, then, he, then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still and said, and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Now, some things that, that, that Jesus did, and I know some of y'all like this, used like that white cloth over for communion was, you know, they felt like if it wasn't a white cloth, they felt like that was nasty. You got to have a white cloth to the point where one time in my church they were talking about, well, you know, in the Bible it said you're supposed to put a white cloth over the table for the communion. I said, well, what Bible y'all got? I'm, I'm the preacher. Where y'all, where y'all coming from? <laughs> you see, in church, sometimes we create rituals 
and create all kinds of traditions, and then we lie on the Bible. We got to be careful with that, y'all. But according to then, is that it was, it was wrong for you to touch the coffin of a dead man. It was a ritual to defile, so Jesus took a ritual and threw it in the trash to demonstrate that he was all God and all man. So when he touched that, the people were like, hold up, what you, what you doing? Don't touch that. Because now you're finna be unclean. But you can't take a God that's pure, that is clean from inside all the way out and tell him anything he touched is going to be tainted. Or anything he touched, he's going to be tainted himself because he has all power in heaven and earth. And it's his to give the life and it's his to take the life and it's on the core. Point three is our close. Christ's divine compassion understands our condition due to our, our situation. It un, he understands it. So he understood the elements of the now of the sister and the elements of those who were watching. But, but what he does is he takes this miracle and then it's a, it sends a message to the people. It says in 15, so he who was dead sat up and began to speak and he was presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all and then came upon, came upon them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen by among us, and God has visited his people. Immediately, the crowd identified the fact that Jesus was of a divine nature. Immediately, they identified they had fear. Because I don't know about you, I ain't seen nobody just get up out of no coffin. But you can imagine this hopeless situation in the present and in the future, he corrected it. He turned it around like they sung in the song. He turned it around not just for the people to see, but he turned it around for that mother who was, had lost her last child, that mother who had lost her last support. But the most important thing, it was God letting her know, I can give you life and I can take it. So in this situation, I'm going to give you your son back. Here he is. He's talking. He's walking. He's going to be all right. And now you can go praise him. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for Jesus because this same man named Jesus went to a whole rugged cross out on Calvary. And I don't know about you, but I thank God for the compassion that he showed me in my life because I don't know about you, but I should have been dead a long time ago. I've seen some situations. I've been through some storms. I've been through some rain. But I thank God that he loved me. I thank God that he showed compassion. He went to that rugged cross and because of you and me, he went to that rugged cross to let you know that he loves you, to let you know that he's here to save you. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad, I'm so glad that he went to that cross and he died on that cross in your place, in my place. That's the compassion that God has to die in your place and die in my place. Ain't the Lord all right? Ain't he all right? Ain't he all right? And that divine compassion is still going on today. You are a living testimony. God didn't have to get you up, but he got you up. And that reminds me of song. I am, I'm a living testimony. I should have been dead and gone. But Lord, you let me live on. Oh, I am. 
I'm a living testimony. And I thank the Lord I'm still alive. Oh, 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 yeah. I said, I am. I'm a living testimony. I could have been dead. Thank you so much for your attendance and your support of the podcast. We do hope to see you again or hear you again or even talk to me again. And we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you.